0: We have a choice to make good decisions and bad decisions that's not going away anytime soon it's on us it's not him it's us doing it you got to go through it and pay the price 88 percent of s p 500 companies their largest shareholder is either state street vanguard blackrock why does god allow pain and suffering
1: and evil to exist in this world
2: Although, before we go into that, you might have noticed that our intro today was on fire. It was so good. The background music was crazy, and you're probably thinking to yourselves, Holy moly, Graham, where did you get that music? Well, thankfully, our sponsor, Epidemic Sound, <laughs> there to help. So, no joke, guys, we've been subscribed to Epidemic Sound for over three years now, and we use them across multiple channels on a regular basis, and they're our go to for copyright free music.
1: As a creator, having copyright free music is crucial, and Epidemic is the only place we trust to have the exact type of music or sound effects we're looking for. They have a massive library of over 40,000 tracks and 90,000 sound effects, and they work with carefully selected artists and give them a fair 50-50 split on streaming revenue. And that's why their business
2: model is an easy one to support. My favorite thing about Epidemic is their ear feature, which works as an extension of the Find Similar feature, allowing you the ability to highlight a specific part of a track and search for music that sounds similar. Their personal plan is ideal for content creators since it covers most platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and podcasts. So click the link down below in the description and use your code ICH to get a free 30-day trial. And also, everything you post during your trial period is even protected if you can Guys, it's free. There's literally no risk. Try it out with code
1: ICH. I guarantee you'll love it. And now with that said, let's get back to the podcast.
2: So, Pat, thank you so much for coming back on. It's been almost exactly a year that you were on the last time. Really yeah, of course.
0: It. I, I yeah. love the work you guys are doing. So thank you. you were just yeah. on
1: Rogan too. Yes. For the second time, right? Yes. Which is absolutely incredible. Like that is that is the hallmark of being, basically at this point, a very important and impactful person. Can you walk us through how that invitation went, how the experience went? And you were also very gracious to give him a bunch of very thoughtful gifts on the on the podcast. Well, well.
0: to me, Joe's the GOAT, you know, in the space of, if you look at the uh, wall right there, the wall of fame and all the names that we have there with Elvis, Tupac, JFK, Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra, Tiger Woods, Kobe, Tom Brady, Ali... Dave Chappelle, Senna, Michael Jordan, and Joe Rogan. I think Joe's the GOAT of what he does. The last three years, he showed it was more than just entertainment. It's enlightenment. He's getting people to think. He he was, uh, I think, one of the most, if not the most super necessary voice uh, the last three years. But in regards to how it happened, I mean, I've been following Joe for a while. I'm a fan of following Joe's content. And I messaged him a few years ago. We were just just complimenting him on the work he's doing. About a year and a half after that, he messaged me and he said, Hey, Pat, I want to do a podcast with you. I went out. And this time around, it was more around me wanting to give him a gift after he opened up his new comedy club. And if you've not been to this comedy club, this was a movie theater before. The place is sick. It's insane. The behind the scenes, the rooms, the way it's set up. Uh, everything has a messaging. He's got the wall from back in the days, the people he bought it from. There's a whole story to it. It's two different clubs that goes at the same time. He performs there, I think, three times a week, two times uh, uh, on the nights, but three times a week. And uh, this time it was just, hey, if you come in to give me the gifts, let's do another podcast mm-hmm. to get it. I'd love to. And then boom, it led to the conversation that it did. That's fantastic.
2: I heard he only has four employees right now running the entire podcast. It's base. not Isn't a lot true? of
0: employees, four or five employees, but the yeah. facility is, let me tell you, The facility is insane. You know, we we came, he gave us a tour to back, and Vinny accidentally steps on the floor where they practice jujitsu. Joe's like, what are you doing? Vinny takes his foot off and you see all the artwork, just visualize. I would say 100 200 pieces of art laying against the wall because he has no more room for wall are you serious yes it's it's a it's a good facility it's a massive facility full-blown gym he's got a room just purely for archery and then his guys are there you talk to his guys they love working for you absolutely love uh working for him but it's an incredible facility
2: so it's interesting going on different podcasts because i was on yours yesterday and i was shocked at the amount of research and the attention to detail that you put into these podcasts How much goes into that prior?
0: Great question. So it depends. So for example, for the first, I don't know, eight years of me doing podcasts, I'm the researcher. Nobody researches for me. So I'm the guy that's reading the book. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm reading, watching the videos, taking notes, have a format of how I take notes and whether I start off with facts, then I go to topics, then I go to questions I want to ask. That is the format. I like having facts and I like having topics and issues. And then I go to questions that I want to ask. And then now we have a whole research team that gives us content. You know, whether if it's if I'm interviewing somebody and it's more of a valuetainment interview, it's just more stuff that's related to you and then other items that I may want to bring up to get your opinion on that maybe we haven't heard you comment on. Yeah, there's a lot of preparation. I'm sure you saw. We now have 74 full-time employees mm-hmm. that are working at Vitam. V- v- and a part of it is with the consulting firm, consulting firm is growing uh, extremely rapidly right now. Manect our app right now. You know, our app right now. We got 70,000 downloads the last couple months with Manect. Where how familiar are you with Manect? What it does? Have you?
2: I got a 10-minute pitch and I downloaded it.
0: Okay, so <laughs> Manect is think about seven years ago or so, lawyer of mine I talked to, we had a seven-minute call. Yeah. He charges me for 30 minutes. And I call him up and I said, why do you charge me for 30 minutes? We had a seven-minute call. He says, that's what lawyers do, minutes roll up. I said, not to 30 minutes. He said, well, I, you know, what do you want me to do? About it? I said, you gotta charge me for seven minutes. He says, I can't do that. I said, what are you worth by the minute? He says, no lawyer charges by the minute. I said, what if there is a technology where I get to pay for people's time by the minute? So that's when we came up with, do you have a minute to connect? Let's Manect. Manect is the app. So on Manect, if I send a DM to somebody, if I want to get a question answered by somebody, most people don't respond back to DMs. About 90% of DMs get unanswered. On Manect, you're going to get an answer back because you're paying Graham $200 for a question. He responds back. You make 80% of that. Manect keeps 20% of it. If they want to see a video being responded back from me in a video format answering a question, hey, Graham, you run a YouTube channel with 4 million subscribers, a video maybe $400, but if I want to do a 15-minute FaceTime with you, you get to pick and choose what you want to charge by the minute, 50 bucks a minute. You do a FaceTime, your face is up here, their face is down here. It's done well, so we have a whole team for Manect. Then we have product development division, and then we have our cutters, editors, shredders. We have our production team here. We have the folks that are running our cigar lounge, our buildings, the next projects that we're working out, about to buy 10 acres to build a campus, mm-hmm. that will be doing our docs, movies, all that stuff. So... It's growing. I think within a year, year and a half, we'll be at around 250 employees. If our HR team speed can catch up, we would be at 120 employees right now.
2: I hear Andrew Tate is doing quite well
0: on there. Andrew Tate did very well there. I want to say their first month, they made a $100,000 on Manect. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I think they, they $93,000, it may be between ninety two hundred thousand dollars to $100,000, their money on MNEC. You can go ask questions from them on MNEC, Tristan Tate. We can ask questions of Chas Palminteri. You can ask questions from bodybuilders. You can ask questions from consultants, those who raise money. It's a lot of different people. Yeah.
1: And you also recently interviewed Andrew Tate for the second time. Yes. 14 million views in one month, which is absolutely astounding. I know for that podcast, Extra amounts of research went into it. Can you walk us through maybe like the prior three days before that podcast? Great
0: question. So here's what we do. When we do big interviews, it is extra amount of uh, research that we do. You're looking at topics, issues, questions, current events, but you're looking at top three, five angles. You can't be a, you know, regular person that's asking the same exact questions. Give me the keys to success or give me the keys. So tell me what happened here. It, It has to be angles. If your angles aren't unique, no one's interested People are interested in unique angles, right? When I get interviewed on different podcasts, I'm like, okay, here we go again. This is another question that's been asked, that's been asked a million times, right? When we did the podcast last time, a lot of clips took mm-hmm. off for you guys because yeah. you guys did the right job asking questions to get content that maybe hadn't been heard before. That's what the audience wants to see, right? Mm-hmm. So with, when we got to Romania the night before, I don't know how many hours it was. I would say we sat there at a table for six hours to prep on what angles to take with the interview. And when we did the interview, we were all going on probably a couple hours of sleep, and uh, it was done. We stayed with him till 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. But, yes, you're looking at angles, and I'm not only interviewing him. So I interviewed Andrew, and right after us with Andrew, we went to Tristan without a break. So it's boom, boom. The interview, seven hours of doing interviews. Yeah. Back to back to back. But – Yes, lots of preparation. And so- what
1: angle did you settle on for the Andrew Tate interview, and what other angles were you thinking about?
0: So BBC to me missed the mark with him when they came out trying to do a gotcha interview. They look disrespectful. They look like clowns, to be honest with you, and they look like hypocrites. Meaning, you have a guy who is working for your organization who texted a minor and followed a minor on Twitter at 15 years old. The guy ends up becoming an intern for you. Then you end up hooking up with this 19-year-old kid, whatever age he was when he did. You're married for 27 years with two daughters. Then he tells the story of what happened with you. That's public. You step away. Some are saying, did you get together with this boy when he was underage or what happened to it? The interview that's done with uh, BBC with this guy, and they say, so, you've had a rough week. How are you feeling? You know, that's the opening question of a guy that followed another man on Twitter, a boy, 15 years old on Twitter, right? And what's the first question with Tate? Are you a rape? See, when you do stuff like that, you lose credibility. This is why people don't trust mainstream media today. Back in the days, Ted Turner, when he started CNN, he said news was the talent. It was the news that you looked up to. Today, it's flipped. It's not the news. It's the anchor. It's the individual, right? You used to watch CNN, then they would give the news to you. You used to watch Walter Cronkite. We just got news that uh, our president, very unfortunate news today, President John F. Kennedy has been, boom, it was just news being yeah. given to you, right? The news, what, what we wanted to get. So a lot of these guys have missed the mark, unfortunately, Unfortunately for BBC, uh, CNN, MSNBC, many of them. The market is changing. People want long form. They want to talk to human beings. They want to be asked questions that those guys are thinking about, not what you're thinking about. What are they thinking about? You could ask a question you're thinking about, but what do they want? To ask? They don't have access to me or they don't have access to Tate. They want those questions. So if you ask the questions that they're wondering, and people going to sit there and say, that's exactly what I've been thinking about this in time. How is it that BBC asked this? And then, So all these different angles you think about and then. You try to be fair to, like, even yesterday's interview with Vivekir, the town hall that yeah. we did. Opening question was what? World Economic Forum. It's not a friendly question. It's a question. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're tied to World Economic Forum. What do you think about this? Hey, you're Indian. Is a part of what you're trying to do, to go away from China, your relations with India? Is that kind of like trying to help your homeland? Are you vaccinated? Did you take the vaccine? You heard at the end what he said, yeah. right? It was kind of uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, how about, how are you going to handle this? You're 37 years old. You're 38 years old. You've never been there before. How are you going to hire? People want to have those questions being asked. At the same time, why do you think you're doing so well? Why do you think as a young age, you know, you're... You know, Twitter account has grown the way that is, and your competitors are not. Why do you think America's following your content so much? We need to kind of give a little bit of both sides.
1: Even the viewer right. question about religion, I was like,
0: Pff. I was like, that was fantastic. that's an image. Heather, right? Yeah. The, the lady that asked the question. One of the I last questions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was a
1: very impressive question. I knew it uh, It knocked Vivek back.
0: What did you bit. think about his answer, though?
1: I thought it was great. I, I thought mean, it was, was great. He's a great diplomat. Yeah. He's,
0: yes. he's a great speaker, of course. But you do you about. believe him? with His answer, do you actually believe him? I do. I do as well. But here's the thing. I
1: yeah. also. I tend to fall for stuff like this all the time. <laughs> anytime the someone's like, one. "You can trust me. I'm honest," you know, like, like it's I'll be just the one. you're being honest about it. No, it's true. It happens time and time again. Yeah. And so with him, I'm like, "This is the guy. This yeah. is the one I trust." Yeah. So you know, it could just be me being naive. You know. I'm but young. you
0: know, you know what it is as well. There, there's a part of it where he's here last night with us. He's there shaking hands. I said, "Where's your wife at?" His wife was doing a surgery last night. She's a surgeon. While he's here, he's got two kids. The guy's worth a few hundred million dollars, started a company, raised $2.2 billion. It's valued at $9 billion today. He doesn't need to do this. He lives an incredible life, but he's still working? His wife is still working? Let me get this straight. Your wife is still working while you're worth this much money? It's more than just money when you're doing something like that. So it's not like we're above you, we're better than you. There was a good feeling about it. Now we're going to see. It's going to be rough competing with everybody else, but it was interesting talking to him. Again, the point being, you got to ask all the questions that are the good questions as well as the tough questions and then let the audience yeah. decide.
2: Now let me ask you this. Do you think that's a bit of an ego play? Because it seems like sometimes when people have a certain amount of money, then they go for power. And that might be in the form of going to Congress, Senate, presidency. Do you feel like that's maybe a thing that's going on?
0: I think what you're doing, some could say, is an ego play. Sure. How many more subscribers do you need? Graham, you got four and a half million, (laughs) Mr. Graham, right? Why do you need to get to 10 million? I'm running a small YouTube channel out of Arkansas with 2,800 subscribers, and I'm happy. (laughs)
2: Although before we go into that, as you probably noticed, one of the things that we really enjoy is coming up with fun ideas and then turning them into a reality. In fact, that's how the podcast even came to be. But what if you had an amazing business idea, but you didn't have access to business partners like us? Well, don't worry. Today's sponsor, Shopify, is a better business partner than Jack will ever be. Shopify is the e-commerce platform that's already transformed millions of businesses worldwide. You could also customize your online store with flexible templates and powerful tools. So whether you're selling satin sheets using their in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil online, they've got you covered. So you might also know about my coffee, bankrollcoffee.com, that I sell online, and that's been hosted by Shopify for the last three years, and they've been absolutely fantastic. They're the only company I even considered going with because they're that good. And also,
1: believe it or not, before I worked with Graham on this podcast, I had like four Shopify stores, they were also the only platform I ever considered to sell things online.
2: What sets Shopify apart is their ability to turn random internet browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. And with a single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere in the world. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and they're quickly turning into a global force, supporting brands like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and in over 170 countries. So sign up for
1: just a $1 a month trial period at Shopify.com
2: Again, that's Shopify.com slash ICH to take your business to the next level. Shopify.com slash ICH. Thank you
1: so much, Shopify, and back to the episode.
0: I created a, a, a flow with myself, Kai, and Mario. We sat there and we said, what percentage of a human being being selfish or selfless is good for society? Okay, let's kind of look at both sides. Is a person who is a hundred percent selfless good for society? If you're one hundred percent selfless, meaning everything you do is for others, are you good for society? Probably what do you think?
2: Not, no. I would tend to think more so yes.
0: 100%, you think so? You think 100%, a 100% selfless is good for I'm try- society? I'm
2: trying to think at what level does being selfish benefit others? If, so, the, if the point is to help others, at what yeah. point does being selfish
0: help? So picture somebody who is 100% selfless. Right. They do everything for who? Everybody else. Right. So there's an element of conformity there's an element of trying to please everybody. There's an element of constantly worried about what other people think. Those types of people don't typically do net positive mm-hmm. good for society. Because the first thing we want you to do is we want you to take care of yourself. Okay. Yeah. A few things with me. I don't mind if you smoke weed. I'll shake your hand. I don't mind if you smoke cigars, I'll shake your hand. If you smoke cigarettes, I can't deal with it, okay? When I shake someone's hand to smoke cigarettes, I go like this, I'm like, give me a flip and break. I'll go like this to you next time. I don't like cigarettes, right? If you don't take care of your body and you smell, you can't be around me too much. I got a big nose and I can smell everything, okay? I can smell if you took a shower. I can smell if you don't brush your teeth. I can smell it and I don't like it. I ran a sales team, and one of the things happens when you run a sales team, you have to have a lot of awkward conversations. So, when a young guy gets started and you want to sell, I would sit there and I would say, Hey, you don't yet have credibility to have beard. If you're going to be selling insurance, you got to kind of fix your hair a little bit. You got to get your cut on the side a little bit. You got to shave. If you're going to sit in front of other people asking them to sell their million dollar home with you, You got to dress up better. Now, you guys are running a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You don't care what I think about you. There's an element that that's your look. You got like the Steve Jobs look. But I would sit there and I would tell guys. And I would say, hey, Johnny, yes. Do you know you smell? You're serious. Yeah, you smell, bro. And it's not good. And about 20 people have brought it up to me. And here's what I want to do with you. Do you want to continue smelling or do you want to do something about it? I want to do something about it. I don't know if you have a father figure in your life that's having this conversation with you. But I'm going to have it with you, and we're doing it privately behind closed doors, so you don't need to be embarrassed. But I'm hoping for the rest of your life, no one ever needs to have this conversation with you. Fair, fair. Let me give you the starter kit here. What do you use when you shower at night? What soap do you use? What shampoo do you use? Tell me what razor do you use? Can you actually show it to me? Go on the website and show me what you buy. You use that kind of shampoo? Are you sure? How do you wash yourself? Do you blow your blow dry your body afterwards? Do you blow dry down here, down here, down here, and your toes because that's where fungus is? How do you blow dry? What do you do? Here's what I do. Okay, how do you shave? Do you shave up? Do you shave sideways? Do you shave down? What are you doing? Pat, no one's talking about this kind of stuff. I'm 23 years old. I totally get it. But it's my job. I'll do it the first time. But if it happens second time, you, you got to figure something out for yourself because sales is not going to work out. So here's an option for you with deodorant, okay? Here's the toothpaste here's the toothbrush, here's the spray, here's a cologne. Go start working on this. This is a soap you can use. This is the ax you can use. I would give them the starter kit and they would come back. Because if you're 100% selfless, you don't really care about you know taking care of yourself. All you care about is what you're hurting mm. everybody else. Now let's flip the question. Do you think a person that's 100% selfish is a net positive to society? No. Do you think more than 100% selfless <sighs> makes you think? Yeah. So what probably is a, think about a person that's 100% selfish. What do they typically do? Make they, money. Great, right? That's a positive right. to society. What else does a 100% uh, selfish do? They take care of themselves. Right. They're clean. They probably don't donate, right? They, that's they fine. They don't volunteer. But the selfless one probably doesn't make any money because right. that guy doesn't have any dreams or vision or goals. Mm-hmm. So when you think about this element and you say, do you think Vivek's doing it for ego and sure. all this stuff? I think you're doing it for ego, sure. but I don't think it's 100%. So the number we found that's reasonable, that's a good amount to be that a guy's still driving, mm-hmm. is 70-30. If 70% of you is driving for your goal, your dreams, your vision, 30% is for him, the people around your audience, Yeah, you're a net positive because you're constantly in search of something. If somebody is 50-50, they're typically a good advisor because they don't want anything from you. You know, the only thing they want from you is a little bit of credit to say, hey, John, thank you for sure. that advice. So that is an element where anybody that runs, they're typically around the seven, 70% selfish, 30% selfish. What selfless. would you say you are? I think I'm around the 65%, okay. 35 70% because for me, so my wife and I, when we have a conversation about vision and I say to her, I said, babe, if you want somebody to be home every night at six o'clock to have dinner, I'm not the guy. If you want somebody to be in town every single week for the entire year, I'm not the guy for you. If you want somebody that's going to sit there and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. I'm not that guy. I'm not compromising my vision because that vision is a commitment I have to my father, my heritage, my family, and my God. I'm not compromising that vision. I'm not compromising my values and principles. These are things that I'm fighting for. If you're okay with that, let's roll. If you're not, let me introduce you to some of my friends that may be a better match for you than me. This is when we were dating, okay? okay. So if I see relationships, husband and wife, I'll typically talk about this and, you know, uh, I'll talk to someone, I'll say, oh my God, this guy's a real good talent. I like him a lot. So let's just say you want to have a good meeting tonight sure. and you leave, like, Pat, I'm on fire. We're going to go do this. And let's just say we have a God conversation or we have a health conversation or we have a political conversation and you're like, this is fantastic. That's a good point. And then you go home. And your wife says, "You babe, you won't even believe what I just saw was over here. Vivek was talking and Patrick was saying this. Yeah, that's a good point. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. You know you're not that. You're not like them. That's not you. You don't think so, babe? No, those are just a bunch of egotistical people. Yeah, you know what I thought about that? Yeah, I think you're right, babe. I love you. And you go to sleep. Versus, you go, babe, I saw this debate. uh, Vivek and Patrick. Yeah, babe. That's not you. That's stupid. Those are egotistical people. What are you talking about, babe? Yeah, those are egotistic. These are people that only care about themselves. I'm sorry, babe. You care about You take care of yourself. I'm glad you do. I do. I love the fact that they're driven. I like being around people that are doing this. They inspired me tonight. Babe, you know, we want to live a different life. Babe, I don't know what life you want to live. This is the life I want to live. I'm hoping you're bought in. See, if you can't have that conversation, you don't have a backbone, then... You're the one that's going to be bitter 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the line, looking back saying, I compromised my vision for this girl, and now you're upset at her, you're blaming the wife, you're seeing your kids and you're saying, if you only know what your mom did to me, it's not the wife's fault. It's your fault because the way you compromise your vision that you have for what you want to do that God put on you, You know, if there's something you keep thinking about, That's a vision that's important to you. And if you can't have the backbone to pursue it, then it's not a last appointment issue. You're not fully committed to what you want to do. You can be fickle and people can change your mind constantly. I
1: notice God is a topic that comes up frequently with you. What role does God have in your life? And do you think that everybody needs a relationship with God to some capacity? Or could some exist without a relationship with God? Everybody
0: has a God. Okay, my God for from 14 years old to 25 was women. They were my God. Okay. It was everything I wanted. I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted all of them. I wanted every ethnicity, every background, in every place, in every club. I wanted them all. Okay. Some kids, their god is video games. Some people, their god is food. Some people their god is the amount of likes they get on social media. Everybody has a God, so there's no such thing as you look at these people who, who believe in God they need God they're weak that's what they are no, no look at you who your God is your God is porn your God is women, your God is money your God is everybody has so there's no such thing as i don't I have a God but you don't have a God you have a God as well I said we have a different god so let's set that part aside about who has a god who, who doesn't have a God for me, you know my entire life I had a big uh, uh conflict with the man upstairs because you know when you're living in Iran and your mom and dad have taped the windows because when the explosion of a bomb comes you don't want the window to you just want it to fall and it doesn't hurt the kids and I'm my bed is right underneath seven eight windows in hiabana hojat in Iran street name is hojat and we're right there that's not a good environment to be raised in you're going outside you' seen holes in the ground in the place that you used to play right across the street, you're hearing this whistling sound and your parents get divorced twice in 20 years. They get married, your sister is born, they get divorced, then they get remarried, then you're born, then they get a divorce. And the visual that I had as a kid, when every night on the fourth floor, my dad would walk up at 8.30 and I would see his head, first step, boom, boom. I knew my dad, is so I'd run up to the door, open it up, give him a hug. That The last time I, I experienced that, I was 10 years old. Boom, gone. I don't see that head climbing at 8.30 30 in the morning coming from work. It was the best moment of my day. That's the last time that happened. The only vacation I ever took as a family with my mom and dad, we went to a, a, a city called Esfahan. And Esfahan is like an old city with a lot of different things. There's a song by a man named Moin. He sings a song called Delam Michot Be Esfahan Bargardam. I'll sit there in my backyard and I'll listen to that song for two hours straight. It's just, it, the, he's saying Delam Michot Be Esfahan Bargardam. My heart wants to return to Esfahan, okay? My heart wants to return to Esfahan because my entire family was together. It was me, my sister, my mom, and my dad, okay? So then you go to Germany at a refugee camp. For two years, there's no father figure. You don't know what to do. You're experiencing bullying, fighting out there, you know, fighting with Afghanis, Pakistanis, Germans, you know, all these other people from different ethnicities. like, who are you from Iran? You're in our country here right now. That's exactly why Germany is being ruined because they're letting too many of you here, and Maybe they were partly right. Uh, why would, why are we coming in your homeland? You know, we're dealing with our own mess, and then eventually we'll make it to the States. And I go to the Army, and I get I'm like, don't even talk to me about God or anything. And then eventually I realized with a couple moments a man gave me a Bible uh, when I was in the Army. And he said, you need this Bible more than I do. His parents gave him that Bible December 24, 1974. I have the Bible till today in my office. I said, I don't know, man. I You know, I, I like office. I like roomy. These... uh famous poets from Iran and Rumi had a poet, I'll butcher it, but you can kind of see how he says where you know, God uses human beings as a flu to sink through, which means in a way God talks to you and I through people. And then one day a friend of mine who was a tough guy in uh, LA, we went to school together. Him and I both had a 1.8 GPA and neither one of us were gonna do anything. So when we went to college and we're at Glendale Community College, me and Armand were the ones that told you you're an idiot if you go to class. We would make fun of you. Mm-hmm. We were those friends. We'd be like, look at these idiots. They're going to class. What are you going to do going to class, man? Who cares about a college degree? Stay here. Let's play spades. Let's play Hulk. Stay for another hour. And we would influence kids to drop out of their class. That was us, okay? So I go to the army. He does what he does. This is the same guy that one time punched a guy in the face with a brass knuckles. He punched a guy in the face, breaks the guy's jaw. I was telling the story yeah. to you guys. He breaks the guy's jaw. The guy can't eat. He's eating out of a straw. For 30 days, and one day he tells the story to me. The father comes to his uh, 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 house. He knocks on the door, opens the door. The father's looking at him, saying, I'm not here to do anything to you. I'm only here for you to see the pain of a father going through for what you did to my son. And the dad is crying. He says, I don't ever want you to feel the pain I'm I'm feeling right now. When I watch my son, Jaw. I can't talk to my son. I'm in pain. And you brought that pain to my son. He says, that day messed me up, right? Guilt, all this stuff. Anyways, I go to the army, I come back 24 years old, and I go to Rafi's place, and I say, so how are you doing? He says, well, Jesus has changed my life. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking he's joking with me. Mm-hmm. He says, no, I'm telling you. I said, come on, man, what are you talking about? You? Yeah, stop it. You're pulling a prank, because we were both pranksters, big pranksters. He said, no, I'm telling you, you got to come to Bible study with me. So I go to Bible study with him Friday night in uh, Paznaz with this guy named Mano, and we would sit there from 6 o'clock in a, uh, at night So two o'clock in the morning, we're debating. And I'm just trying to debate, 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 debate. Anyways, eventually, I make a decision. I I become baptized January, I think it's 21st of 04. And I realized I don't want to live my life alone. I'm not alone right now. I'm around you guys. When you're together, you're around each other. You're around your girl. You're not alone, right? But you're going to be alone. Who do you talk to when you're alone? I want a relationship with God when I'm alone. Because... If if my vision is big of what I want to do in my life, for me to think I can do it by myself, that is so arrogant, and it's so much pressure on an individual when things don't go your way. Sometimes you need to just say, look, man, I'm going to pray like it's up to you, but I'm going to work like it's up to me. There's a man named Greg that told me this 20 years ago, and there's so much truth behind it, right? God has played an incredible role in my life. Um, I'm 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 a guy that's very honored and grateful for the life that he's given me. I look at my kids' faces, and I tell Dylan, I say, Dylan, do you realize I can't imagine life never meeting you? He says, what do you mean, Daddy? I said, June, July of 2002, I'm at Thomas Mack Center with Lou Holtz speaking. I'm at that event with my girlfriend sitting to my right and a girl named Jennifer sitting to my, uh, my left is my girlfriend, a girl sitting to my right, a girl named Jennifer. We're all the way in the back. Lou Holtz is speaking. I said, if I don't go to that event that day, the girl on my left ends up becoming an ex. The girl on my right, five and a half years later, when we're both single, becomes my girlfriend. She's your mother. I would have never met you. I cannot imagine life never meeting you, Dylan, never meeting Patrick Tico, never meeting Senna, or never meeting Brooklyn. If that meeting and appointment never happens, I'm devastated. That meeting is scheduled by the man upstairs. So for me, uh, if your vision's big, if you want to do something massive with your life, you almost need faith. But if you don't believe in a God, trust me, you have a God. You just don't know what it is yet.
1: Now, I'm curious because I've heard a lot of different answers to this, and I want to know your opinion on this. Sure. But why does God allow pain and suffering and evil to exist in
0: this world? You know, it's a good question you ask. It's a question, you know, I ask for a big part of my life with the things that I saw. That's the free will part, man. It's our choice. He doesn't make us do anything. He leaves it to you and I on what we do and how we live our lives. If God was a micromanager, that would be a different story. He's not. He's like, look, here's what you've been given with. Here's the talents we're giving you. Here's the life. Go do good with it and find a way to be better to my guys, my people, my kids. And then you get to choose to make bad decisions. Okay, he doesn't. Now, if you go back and... You know, some can say, well, you know, that's when sin happened, Adam, Eve, Apple. That's when we started sinning. Prior to that, we were this, we were that. Great. We have a choice to make good decisions and bad decisions. That's not going away anytime soon. It's on us. It's not him. It's us doing it. So what I heard also,
1: I I love that answer, but what I heard also that I really liked is that if he showed himself every single time evil occurred and let's say like cancer was given to a child or something like that, then it wouldn't be faith anymore. It would just be fact. It would be what is. And the power about belief is that it's faith. And you need to be able to believe in something that isn't fact because, like I said, it would just be what is.
0: Let me ask you a question. Was your father in your life growing up as a kid? He was. Okay. How old were you the first time you got bullied? I wasn't really bullied that much when I was a kid. Did you ever get into a fist fight? No. Never? Mm
1: -hmm. I was a pacifist. I would always, like, run away, shy away from that.
0: Did you ever get bullied? Yes. How old were you the first time you got bullied? Kindergarten,
2: preschool. People call me graham cracker. Graham Cracker. Graham oh, well Cracker. I would get bold, yeah, yeah, I would get bullied like that. Sure
1: people cuz I'm Jack and my last name Selby so they abbreviate Jack S and Jack yeah, okay. S, they call me that.
0: So so how often did your dad go and beat those guys up? Never. Why not? Why would he let that happen to his son? Cuz they're minors. I never told my parents. But let me ask you another question. When you grew up, did a girl break your heart when you were 18 years old? I had my heart broken a little bit. Okay, yeah. did your mom go and slap her in the face and say how dare you break my son? No. How, why wouldn't she do that? How dare she break your heart? Why would a mother let their son's heart be broken? What kind of a mother do you have? You know, is that a good mother? Of course it's a good mother. You have to go through it, okay? You got to go through it and pay the price. Have you done any wrongdoings? You ever got caught stealing? You ever got caught cheating on tests? You ever got caught doing something that was wrong? You ever got suspended? You ever got referrals? You ever gone to, you know, something you shouldn't have done? Yeah. And it hurts your parents, you know? One day, my son um, is uh, in in soccer practice. This is my oldest. And he calls, uh, my wife calls and says, babe, they just kicked him out of the camp. So what do you mean, babe? They kicked him out of the camp. So what are you talking about, babe? Why would they kick him out of the camp? He knocked the kid out. I said, what do you mean? He knocked the kid out in front of the coach. He punched him. The kid fell. He knocked him out. They said, he can't come back here anymore. So when I hear my son in the back screaming, screaming, dad, you know, I'm not afraid of the truth. You call me honest, Tico. You say, I'm like honest ape. I'm not afraid of the truth. I said, what happened? He punched me first. I said, Tico, I'm telling you, he punched me first. I said, come on. I said, put the phone on in his face. He puts the phone on his face. I said, I'll go fight for you. Well, you better be telling me the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And you see the tears coming down. Mm -hmm. So no problem. All good. I called the owners. I said, hey, I heard you guys kicked my son out. We did. He punched a kid uh, and he knocked him out and parents were right there and we we can't come back. We can't have that kind of behavior. I said, do you guys have cameras there? We do. I want you to go watch the camera and see who hit who first. Okay. How soon can you get back to me? Give us an hour on practice sense. No problem. Two hours, nobody calls. Three hours, they call me. How mm. you doing? Good. So what happened? Your son is right. He got punched first. Then he reacted and he knocked him out. We've asked the other kid to be gone for a week. Your son is welcome to come back, but I personally wanted to call you to apologize. I said, you didn't need to apologize to me. I don't care. You didn't offend me. You need to apologize to my son. I'm going to bring him in and I need you to have a conversation with him. I take, I take him to practice. His mom typically takes him. I take him to practice. I said, go ahead. The guy coaches a Venezuelan, phenomenal, classy guy. Gets on his knees and says, son, I just want to tell you, we messed up. You were in the right, we were in the wrong, okay? And he goes in, and he plays his game, and he does his practice and all this stuff. It's a great practice that he has. But you can tell, like, somebody had his back, right? Now, in life, sometimes when you're right and somebody does something to you, it may take five years till you get your redemption, ten years, 15 years till you get your redemption but these are the types of moments where you know at times we have to go through our mess at times god's going to use somebody to come and defend you and at times no one's going to show up sometimes you're going to like you're like i never told my parents sometimes you know if you're not praying talking to god he doesn't know who to send you ain't praying sometimes you just got it the best way i started praying is the final i just my first prayer was like this at 18 years old i said god i don't believe you exist i think it's fake I think it's for people that are weak. But I'm going to pray. And if you're out there, great. I'll see what happened here with the prayer. If not, I'm just going to talk to you. That's how my prayers were for three years. I prayed like that. So the exercising of praying, if somebody's watching as you're doing it yourself, you don't have to tell people you're praying. Test it and see what happens. Go do enough for about three, six months, see what happens. And then test it for yourself. If it doesn't happen, it is what it is. But at least take the first step to start praying to a God you don't believe exists and see if he responds.
2: Now, I'm curious in your son's case, going back to that fight, I was always taught that if someone were to hit you, you don't hit back and you should walk away, go tell a teacher or something like that. How do you balance that and standing up for yourself and punching back harder if you get punched
0: first? Those are the standards you're going to have to choose when you have a kid. But to me, think about the profile of a bully. What is the profile of a bully? The profile of a bully is he finds targets. And what does a bully theme? Weak targets. Targets that he's not afraid of. Targets that back down. Targets that don't come back at you right do you watch ufc at all not really do you like boxing at all i like watching it. i don't typically yeah. though no no you, you watch any ufc any yeah, of that casually, I have. Yeah, yeah, casually yeah, yeah. watch yeah, yeah. it what do you think about it? what do you think about fighting not for me but i appreciate the sport does it entertain you at all or no it does it does entertain yeah. you do you know 90 percent of these guys when they started fighting why they started fighting they got bullied they got bullied yeah. and look where they are now so I mean, you know, there's an element of that where if somebody comes and bullies you once and you don't do anything second time around, third time around, fourth time around, now you have a reputation. You know what the reputation is? You can bully them. I remember when I started my own insurance company, September 23rd of '09. A month later, I get sued. 400-page lawsuit comes to me. Okay, from a four hundred billion dollar company, massive mm-hmm. company, and they sue me, and they sue five other people, which means we have to represent five people. It's not like they sue me only. We well, have to get legal for me. They want to make sure everybody depletes their savings, and they scare, scare the crap out of everybody. And all the insurance companies didn't want to give me contracts that are like Patrick's got a big lawsuit. He's going to go out of business. Da da da. da. Mm. At that time, I could have either sat there and taken it from the bully, or I had to make sure they also knew where we stood, we had multiple conversations. The moment they realized where we stood and we were not going to take clients, we were not going to defame and start saying this and this and that and, you know, trashing them and all that other stuff. Nope. I'm a, I'm a guy that was going to wait to see what you say about me. Then I'm going to come at you hard. But if you don't say anything about me, I'm not going to say anything bad about you at all. We're good to go. We move on. So he finally said, look, man, if you don't say anything, we won't say anything. No problem. Good to go. So we go. We roll. I don't at all talk about the company. I don't at all trash nothing. If you go ask any of our sales guys, did Pat ever train on trashing other insurance companies? They'll tell you, Pat's never trained on that. And we've got 45,000 agents nationwide. Then one day, I get a letter from the CEO of this company a cease and desist letter. There was an image going around on Facebook that a guy created named Tony. And he was comparing our comp to them. I don't like doing stuff like that, but he did this, and then it went viral. And the CEO sends me a letter, and it's comparing our comp, and he says, well, you know, we just want to let you know we paid this much commission last year, this much this, this much that, and you need to have your designers not put this out there. And I'm like, okay, no problem. See, send this letter, comes to my house. So now I'm getting ready to send a respond back to him with a letter to his home office. Then all of a sudden I notice 50, 100 people Post that letter on social media from their company. And these are all leaders. So I noticed the letter wasn't just sent to me. He sent it to me and to all their vice presidents to say, we are not back in we're going to bully this guy. No problem. Now I have to react. At 2.30 in the morning, I react with a letter I write, open letter Facebook post that you got to go read, okay? And I post the image and I say, first of all, I want to say whoever created this image, I want to thank them because it took us seven years to have a meeting together. I've received many different love letters in my life, but yours is one of my favorite love letters of all time. I thought this was only going to me, but since you chose to send this to every other leader in your company, I figured it was better for me to write an open letter to you. And I went through the whole thing. I said, I noticed you golf three, four, five times a week at these two different country clubs. I noticed what your work is. I noticed what you're doing. As a person who's a founder, we work at a different level. I've noticed your company got started in such and such year. The founder got their insurance license in 1977. I was born in 1978. I wish I could sell insurance as an infant, but I couldn't. I got out of the army in this and this sometime, time. And I put that out there. That goes viral. One guy, he knows who he's, and I know who you are creates a burner account and starts acting like his name is this this girl's name and he accidentally switches account his name posts and then he deletes it so we knew exactly who this guy was he got caught it was so embarrassing and beautiful at the same time but you know what happened in that moment our company after that post grew 75 percent that year because everybody in the company realized you can't bully us we will stand up there's different ways to stand up but if my kid there's a kid in school that's bullying my kid. If my kid's being bullied, first step, you tell him, hey, don't do it. Second step, you tell a teacher. If he continues, you've been instructed by your dad to use your abilities of jujitsu to show him, don't do this again. And make sure you do when there's 20 people around because there are 20 people who will be your publicist. They're going to go tell everybody and you will not be fighting while you're at the school. So there's these elements where you have to stand up. If you don't, the bully's going to keep showing up.
1: I love the theme of like being a powerful dad and teaching your son powerful values. I know it was in an interview that you did recently. You were talking about how wealth goes away after a few generations and how you actually had a team that was studying Vanderbilt and a bunch of other generationally wealthy people. Yeah to make sure that this doesn't happen with your family. What did you find out from these studies? And uh, what strategy are you going to employ to teach the right things in your children to make sure that the wealth stays?
0: Yeah, you know, this whole thing got started when I interviewed this guy, I keep forgetting his name. So this guy, his job is to deal with families that are worth their hundred million dollars and higher to make sure their kids turn out well. That's his job. Think about what an interesting job that is. And he's in Seattle. Why is that important? Amazon. Microsoft, a lot of billionaires, a lot of millionaires, definitely a lot of DECA millionaires, right? And I said, uh, what was the common theme you realized with, when you, when you got, got there to help the families? What was it, Patrick? 99% of the time it's too late. They call me once their kid is already a drug addict. They call me once their kid is already a alcoholic. They call me after they already got their kids three Lamborghinis. They already gave them, you know, flying all over the place on a private jet. It's done. There's nothing you can do about it at that time. 20 years ago, I read a book called Ultimate Gift. I don't know if you've ever read the book Ultimate Gift by Jim Mm -hmm. Stovall, who I believe is blind and deaf. He wrote this book, Ultimate Gift. It's like 100 pages. I read it. I bought a 1,000 copies. I sold it to all my guys. I said, you guys all got to read it. This is the book of the month. The story is about a guy who moves to Texas, works for this guy, who when he dies, the guy leaves him the land, and this guy, I think his name is Rex in the book or Rand, something like that. The land that he gives to this employee of his ends up, Being a land filled with oil. So he strikes oil, so he becomes a billionaire. And when this guy becomes a billionaire, he's got massive accounts, companies, oil, thousands of employees, beautiful big house, properties all over the place. And then he realizes he spoiled everybody. He spoiled his wife, his kids, everyone. His best friend is his lawyer of 40 years. So he sits with his lawyer and he says, look, I wanna do a couple things. He says, what's that? I wanna make a video that I want you to play the day I die when everybody shows up to get their inheritance and I want you to play that video for them. So can we shoot that video together? He says, great. What do you think I should say in the video? They make a list, pray. And the old video starts, right? He's talking to them. In the video, he says, if I ever play this video, it's because I'm dead. Mm. Then he creates 12 other videos. So anyways, let me first tell you what the first video is. The day comes when he dies. Family shows up. His sons, his wife with two young men, And, you know, all of these guys are showing up. I think his daughter with two young men, and you know, all these guys are. It's like, oh, they're smiling. All this, hey, hey, and they're talking to the lawyer because the lawyer is the guy he trusted the most, and the lawyer knew everyone's drug addict, you know, habits, everything. Plays the video. Hi, if you're watching this video, it's because I'm dead. Let me tell you what this is all about today. You're here. You're happy. You're probably smiling. Because you're going to get your inheritance. This is a big day for you. You see them, they're kind of feeling like uncomfortable, but they're smiling. And he says, to you, my such and such daughter or son, I'm going to leave you my $600 million account that I have with you know, my investments. However, you're going to live off the interest. That money is not for you. My advisor makes all the decisions financially. You don't get to tell him anything what to do. The money is hopefully going to go to your grandkids if they behave and if you can show that you can manage this money well. To my other son, I'm gonna give my real estate portfolio, whatever, half a billion dollars. But guess what? The cleaners have more say about the house than you do. The property manager has more say than you do. And he's kind of going through that. Mm-hmm. And he says, you're gonna get this, 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 the company. But you don't get to run the company. My board runs the company. You're not even the chairman of the board. It's just the shares. And all of this is written with the lawyers. And they're going through, everybody's pissed off, walking out, pissed off, walking out, pissed off, walking out. And he says to my nephew, I don't have anything to give you, but one thing, you're not going to get a car. You're not going to get a house. You're not going to get stocks. You're the only one here that I haven't spoiled. You're the only one that has a chance at life. What I have for you is the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift is going to take 12 months for you to realize what it is. I have 12 videos I've created just for you. Every Tuesday, if you choose to find out what the ultimate gift is, you come in. To my lawyer, my best friend's office. He plays one video, you watch the video, then you have 30 days of what you need to do. 12 months later, you get the ultimate gift, and you see the, nep- the nephew is like all upset, you know, pissed off. He says, You're probably not happy right now, and I understand. And you're probably gonna walk out, it. it's a scene that he's walking out. He says, However, son, I just wanna tell you, you have a shot at living a fulfilling life if you choose to come back on Tuesday to find out the ultimate gift. That book motivated me. I was 25 years old when I read this book. 24 years old when i read this book so this thought i've been thinking about for a while you know and so when you think about some of these families that did it right they spoiled their kids they weren't there for their kids they didn't manage their kids they bought their kids love with gifts you know it's like i don't buy gifts for my kids if you ask my wife how many gifts i bought for my kids i'm not a guy that buys gifts for my kids i'll say things like hey daddy can we get that lego that lego was 10 bucks hey daddy can we get that video game that video game is 20 bucks hey daddy can we go buy the new fifa you finish atlas shrug you'll get it (laughs) hey daddy i want to get a right now uh, my uh, youngest son uh, uh, picked up fountainhead by himself he's reading he's on page 250 or something he knows if they finish fountainhead and a few other things this guy's been working on this for two years they're about to get their treehouse but the treehouse they've been asking for four years it's been four years till they get their treehouse. What is a treehouse if I buy it? 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand? It's not a lot of money. I don't have a problem with that part, but I want them to earn it. Everything for me is with them busting their asses. My son's schedule every day after he gets off school three to four, he swims, four to five is soccer, five to six is jujitsu, six to seven is baseball. By the time he comes home, he asked me a question the other night. He says, Daddy, do I have a busy schedule or just a normal schedule for all kids? I said, that's very normal. He says, because when I talk to my friends, they don't have my schedule. I <laughs> said, they don't want to tell you the truth. Everybody has this kind of a schedule. I said, but listen, here's what I will tell you. He said, what's that? You're a Bed David. I don't care what the Jones' schedule is. I don't care what the Jackson schedule is. This is the Bed David schedule, okay? And this is the schedule you're going to go on. But daddy loves you. I'm here for you. We're going to celebrate victories. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I think it has to be something you think about. But even with parenting, I mean, you can do everything right. And the kid can still screw up. You can do everything right. They still have the choice to make. They can still hook up with whoever they want to. They can still choose to have sex without a con with a girl they met at a club and get that girl. All of these things are still possible. They can still be tempted on one day. They're pissed off at their daddy. And they walk away and say, you're just too much. My girlfriend is right. You are a capitalist. All you care about is money. That's your God. You don't love us. You could buy me this car. You could buy me the house like the other person is doing. But you are so cheap because all you care about is your money. I know that moment is coming. I know it is coming. But I'm good with it. And I'm going to stand my ground because I'm banking by 2530 if they get through that ugly phase of hating dad. The three phases you got to go through with Mm -hmm. your father. You idolize. You demonize. You humanize. I'm in the idolize phase right now. The demonize phase comes next. That's not going to be pretty for me, but I have to be a strong enough of a leader to be able to handle the next phase. So it's a tough job, yeah. but you never know what's going to happen. As long as you prepare early, you got to fight. Do you let chance.
2: them watch TV, go on the internet, social media? How do you
0: control that, or do you? No, everything is structured. My kids still don't have a phone. All, their phone. all their friends have phones; they don't have phones. What are the ages of your kids? Just for the eleven, kids? nine, seven, two. Okay. Um, in our house, when you turn six years old, you have to read twenty pages every day. Okay. And the books, there's steps on what you go through next. And then when you have to read a serious books, like, you know, whatever that was something of fire or, you know, hunger game, not a hunger games. There's a couple of these books like uh, uh, Harry Potter or, you know, sure. some of these serious things that you need to go through for your imagination to kind of see the different stuff that's out there. And then you're going to read some real books when you're nine years old, a thousand page type of books to kind of go through it. But video games, there's no iPad throughout the week, zero iPad throughout the week. Saturday, Sundays, if you have a C. In your class, there is no iPad at all, ever, zero. If you have one C, you get no iPad. Not on Saturdays, not on Sundays, nothing. So my son, one of them has a C. Guess what? There is no iPad for him. However... Saturday, Sunday, you wake up this morning. My daughter woke up at seven o'clock. She read her book. Came, daddy, I read the book. What'd you learn about it? Here's what I learned about the founding fathers. I learned that this, I learned that this, and I learned that this president is this seven-year-old daughter. I said, great, babe, you can go play iPad for an hour, okay? Because she's made up all her assignments for the week. When it comes down to uh, uh, TV, TV, if you haven't read, you can't watch TV. Same thing. On the weekends, I pick movies. We, turn on, uh, we uh, take turns on movies and all that stuff on what they can do and that's kind of what we do with it. Now, let me go to the seaside. I need leverage to get my kids to get smarter and read the content and study the material that I want them to read. I'm watching my son, he hasn't played iPad for three months. And I'm like, you're wasting an opportunity because he doesn't have a desire to learn. He's just waiting for the C to become a B so he can play iPad. So said, we gotta figure something out. I so said, here's what we're gonna do. For every documentary you watch that I choose in our documentary, you'll get 30 minutes on the weekends. And this is during summer season. So guess what? You watch 40 documentaries. You got some hours. But if you watch three documentaries this week, you got an hour and a half over the weekend. So my sons have watched the entire man in the arena, Captain, The Last Dance, Pele, all these documentaries. You know, the plane that went missing, JFK assassination, all of this stuff for their brain to be vibrating at what happened here. What do you think happened here? What do you think happened there? But that's the system we've created. You have to exercise, you have to take care of your body, but that's now, the system.
2: How do you balance between being a free thinker, an entrepreneur who forges their own path or having a very structured outline? Because for me growing up, my parents were very much, you could do what you want to do and we're not gonna get in the way of that. If you decide that you just wanna do nothing all weekend, you could do that. If you decide you wanna be productive, you could do that. And I feel like that sort of freedom allowed me as an adult to do what I thought was best in the moment, even if it's not structured or what everyone else is doing? How do you balance the two?
0: Yeah, that's that's good for you. Uh, kudos to you for doing that. Um, that doesn't work out most of the time with a lot of people. Uh, as an outlier, as a exception to the rule, it's great. Now think about this. Give me one system that produced a lot of great leaders without any structure. Give me any system. Hear me out what I say, like if, yeah. you're, if you're going to a place where they produce leaders, right? By the way, this thing is structure here. Just so you know, mm. everything is. Elon's got the whole system on what he's doing. He runs a show. Yeah. Okay, last night for things, not nothing happened. I didn't even think about AV last night. <clears throat> and typically, when I'm doing stuff, I'm thinking about why didn't I think about AV? Because things were squared away with him. He's running the show. He's telling people what to do. There's systems here. When we came in, the walkthrough, the preparation, the questions. There's systems. If you played under John Wooden, guess what? There's systems. Bill Walton comes in as a hippie with a beard, and he says, "Hey, I'm not shaving my beard for nobody." John Wooden says, you don't have to, but I don't have to play you. Really, you wouldn't play me? I'm the number one prospect in the world. You ain't going to play. You can keep your beard, hippie. Goes back to practice with everybody else. Bill Walton gets on the bike, goes, cuts his hair, his beard, comes back to practice, he starts playing. What did John Wooden do to Bill? He gave him high expectation, high standards. Bill Belichick high expectation high standards military high expectation high standards Jack Welch high expectation high standards fired the bottom 30% of your employees every year Elon Musk you don't want to be at Twitter 50% fired 3750 go home you still don't want to be at Twitter the other 1250 quit as well now we got about 2200 employees at the at the Tesla at the Twitter almost anywhere you go where you see a Person coming out with the level of discipline that others don't have. There was a person there with high standard, high expectation. Kobe Bryant. When did LeBron become the beast that he is? Most people are like, "Well, LeBron is even better Michael." Is even better. LeBron went to the Olympics, and they recruited Kobe to go to the Olympics. Go study LeBron after he went to the Olympics with Kobe, because he noticed Kobe was maniacal about his training. Nobody ever had the standards of Kobe, including Michael. Michael had better God given ability, but Michael wanted to party and do all the other stuff. Kobe was a maniacal. Everybody who ever played with Kobe realized this guy's a monster. Alan Iverson, one of my favorite players to watch, he tells a story one time. He says, Hey, one time I'm playing against the Lakers. I say, Hey, Kobe, what are you doing Let's go to dinner. We go to dinner. And then Kobe's like, What are you doing now? He says, I'm going to go to the club. You want a roll? He says, No, I'll take you. He goes, drops him off at the club. Kobe does. He says, where are you going? He says, I got to go back to the gym to practice. Kobe's got five championships. Mm-hmm. AI's got zero. Okay. So, yes, a person like you can go out there and do what they're doing, but structure increases the chances. But I'm going to say this final thing, and yeah. I'll turn it back over to you as the following. Don't assume our house, everything is structured. Everything is not structured. Mm. Don't think it's a setup where, hey, you better do this, you better do that, you better do this, you better do that. They're free to do a lot of things. It's a system that you have on how you score points. YouTube doesn't tell you what to do. YouTube will tell you create good content, good SEO, good lighting, good camera, good this, good audio, and you keep doing it consistently, we're going to reward you. Our family is the same way. We're the ultimate capitalism family. You do this, you earn this. You do this, you earn that. You don't, you don't. That's capitalism. You don't have to do it. You don't have to watch the documentary. You don't have to read the book. We also don't have to play iPad, so there is that element of capitalism in the house where you got to earn or else you don't get.
2: I'm curious, what books do you recommend
0: that every parent have their child read? Some of the books I have, my, my kids have read. You know, my oldest has probably read 500 Who HQ books. I was interested in buying Who HQ, the brand, which is owned by Penguin. They won't sell it, but I, I, I watched some of the stuff they add in Who HQ, which is politically motivated. And there's other competitors to Who, Who HQ. I was going to buy another book brand. Uh, that was out there i will tell you i like my kids to study individuals so studying individuals they got to study the founding fathers they got to study why america is the greatest country in the world they got to study the musks of the world the teslas of the world the franklins of the world the uh, um lincoln's of the world i want them to study great leaders on what happened there okay with them great presidents i want them to study john f kennedy reagan Go study those guys. I'll tell you what happened the other day. There's a frame in my office. I don't know if you guys went into my office. There's a book that's on the wall. And they sent me the book, and it's about a guy named Thomas Sowell. I don't know if you know who Thomas Sowell is. Thomas Sowell is uh, probably one of the smartest men we have in America today. He's 91 years old. Uh, 91, 92, 93 years old, came up with Milton Friedman. I don't know if you guys know who Milton Friedman is. Milton Friedman is the maybe the greatest economist we've ever had outside of Adam Smith and all these other guys. Milton Friedman was, if you want to really get into the space, go watch Milton Friedman with Phil Donahue. It's 43 minutes. And just watch that for yourself, and you'll be fast. I think he's wearing a yellow coat or a yellow shirt. Incredible. If you go there, and then you watch Thomas Sowell debate, just type in Thomas Sowell debate, it's an older Thomas Soul with glasses. He's debating a lady. You'll go into the rabbit hole and watching this stuff forever. My kid. Book comes in. He reads the Thomas Soul book. Okay. I come home. He says, "Daddy, what are we doing?" I said, "Wait a minute. What are we doing?" I have to go make money. So you have to go make money. Yeah, I got to go make money. I don't know how I'm going to go make money. I'm going to go and knock on the doors here. Uh, in the people in the neighborhood and i going to see how i can make money with them so what are you talking about he says no I, i gotta go as a capitalist i gotta go make money but i can't take credit for him i've never told him go out there and find a way to make your own money he read this book so he goes out comes back nothing happens sweating it's 100 degrees outside next day his brother joins him and his sister joins him so it's him 11 9 7 they're out and an hour later somebody calls us hey are these your kids yes they're out here knocking on doors saying they want to find a way to make money. Do you mind if I teach them how to walk my dogs because I need somebody to walk my dogs? I said, no problem. It's a 65-year-old lady. So they walk the dogs. They come back sweat, totally sweaty, messed up. And they come back and they say, um, yeah, daddy, this lady gave us $20. I said, she gave you $20? Yeah. I told them, whatever you make, I'm going to match it. So if you make 20, you get 40. I said, so what do we want to do with this $20? I said, who's the CEO of the company? He said, well, that that's me, my oldest. I said, so what, what, what amount of this 40 do you want to pay yourself? He says, I'm going to pay myself, you know, 20 or whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. I said, what amount do you want to pay the second best employee? He says, no, Dylan worked really hard. I'm going to pay him 15 or whatever the number. And Senna came and she was supporting cast and she was sweet. So we're going to give her $5. So she's all happy. And we're doing a video, by the way. It's a yeah. great video. I take the $20, the first one and I frame it in my office, I take a picture of them walking the dogs, it's in my office, and I put the book, the first book that they read that caused them, influenced them to become capitalists. So for me, it's less about what brand book they read, it's who they read. If your kid reads Thomas Sowell, oh my God. If your kid reads innovators, creators, founding fathers of America, what these guys went through to create the greatest country in the world, that's gonna inspire them in weird ways. These guys have read more books than I read. The amount of books my oldest son has read, I did not read until I was 28 years old. This guy's read at 11 years old. Imagine the imagination with this kid on how how he's wired. So I think it's more names and individuals than it is like certain brands.
2: How do you know someone is ready to have
0: kids? Yeah, that's a good question. So to me, I think the wrong people are having too many kids and the right people are not having enough kids. I think the, the wrong people are reckless when it comes to kids They don't think about it a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, government's going to pay me money, or hey, you want to have unprotected said, oh shit, I'm pregnant, oh great, versus the right people who overthink it, guys like you. It's like, well, you know. If we have a kid, it's going to cost us around $280,000 between zero to 18. And if we want to have three, that's about a million dollars. And if we're going funny. to put them in our private school, for us, it's probably not going to be two eighty; It's probably more like $600,000. So, babe, if we're going to have this at 12% interest on this fund with American Funds Investment Company Act, you're overthinking it, right? Where a guy like you, you know how many kids you need to have? Do you know how many kids you need to have? You need to have five I
2: was, kids. I was about to say one or two.
0: No, no, no. See, a guy like you, yeah, I want to see a guy like you have five kids because I know you're going to if they're going to be like you we need more use in the world but if you have one kid you're screwing up the ratios think about what I'm saying to you the rate of the people who have money who are resources you're gentle just looking at your energy you're an incredible father for a girl your girl's gonna love you she's gonna be all over you you're gonna be like her hero for the rest of her life right but one kid two kids Oh, man, we got to go back to having four or five. My wife and I, and if we were, I, I, I'd I, have 20 kids. My wife would be pregnant every year, and she'd have a three-month vacation every year of not being pregnant. And then you you got your vacation, babe? You're done? Boom. Next one here. Next one here. We'd be going 20, 20 years straight. But, no, I think the right people need to have more kids, and they're overthinking having kids, and the wrong people are underthinking having kids. So if we can get those ratios down properly, then uh, – society will be in a better place
1: so on the the topic of the esg ratings i know that you said that when you sold your company you had a really high rating now did you do that methodically what was your rating at the end what is a typically good rating and did you try to raise your rating before
2: you sold the company. Well, we should explain what that is, if you wouldn't mind
1: yeah. going into that. Yeah, so unfamiliar.
0: ESG, they score your company on environmental, social governance. So how much are you helping out with the environment, social, like how many women do you have on your board? How many gays do you have on your board? How many people from colored people, all this stuff? That's the, hey, do you want that score to be there? And then how much back are you giving to environment? Just to tell you how pathetic this ESG score is. Is that a government agency? No, not at all. So no, Private. It's a private agency funded by some interesting people. There's an organization out there called Open Society Foundation, started by Soros, whom he gave $32 billion to, by the way. $32 billion. You can Google this to see how much money he's given to Open Society Foundation since I think 1994. The number is $32 billion. So, ESG, you get the score. Here's how pathetic ESG is the score. Which company do you think has done more for the environment in America, Philip Morris or Tesla? Probably, probably Tesla
1: Okay. Is what I would say.
0: Tesla has a much lower ESG score than Philip Morris. Philip Morris has A-plus rating. What a great environmental social governor's company out there, Philip Morris. Great job, guys. No, it's because Elon Musk thinks the s in esg stands for satanic and he doesn't want to buy to the scoring system that these Soros and Finks and some of these guys in the world are doing and larry fink is like i feel ashamed i think the word esg is being weaponized You you do not feel ashamed you know exactly what you're doing you're running a company with 10 trillion dollars of assets under management you're crushing the eft game you're of course, you're, you're the one that's managing other people's money, but at the same time, you're influencing where that money goes to. You know, it's not like you're they're doing it. You tell them where the money is going into. Yes, you need some approval, but you get to do the influence. So for me, the ESG side that's a little bit con, uh, con, uh, concerning is they are the largest shareholder themselves, like Larry Fink is BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. These three companies are the largest shareholders of 88% of S&P 500 companies. Let me say that one more time. You got 500 companies, S&P 500, 88% of those companies, their largest shareholder of those companies is either State Street, Vanguard, or BlackRock, okay? So whose phone call do you think you have to pick up when they call you? BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. Who do you fear if you're the CEO of those companies? State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock. You better answer those calls. Who are you gonna hire? You're gonna have to hire whoever they're gonna want you to hire because you want the high score. So now, let's go to other industries. Department of Defense, Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, Northrop Grumman. Three out of the four top shareholders in almost every one of those companies. Guess which companies they are? State Street, Vanguard, BlackRock. So the commander in chief is not who we think it is. It's the CEO of BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. It's people like Larry Fink and George Soros. They have influence. We've always been like, oh my God, look how rich, is it, is it good for a guy like Elon Musk to be as rich as he is? Elon Musk is nothing compared to what these guys are doing collectively together. They have got, I don't know how many people that have signed off to the numbers here. I think it's 60, something like that, or 51 people that have signed off to this to be part of the ESG community. They have access to $66 trillion of assets under management. You know how much total money there is in the world circulating? You know the total money? It's around $430 trillion, $440 trillion. They, they control $66 trillion of the entire world's wealth. When I say control, I mean influencing is what they can do. So- When you're seeing some of these companies making the kind of decisions that they're making, you're asking yourself, why would they do such a thing? That is so stupid. You know, right now, if you wanted to go be nominated for an Oscars, I don't know if you guys know the data with nominating for Oscars. What percentage of your employees need to be part of a LGBTQ community? What percentage of your employees, actors, editors, cutters? A percentage needs to be from Native Americans, disability, LGBT, black. If you don't, you cannot be nominated, which means almost every single movie in the history of Oscars that won an Oscar would have never won with today's guidelines. That's how pathetic this is getting right now with the direction they're going to influence what you're gonna be doing with whatever company or project you're running.
1: Now, you haven't said this explicitly, but I can kind of read between the lines. If your theory on all of this turns out to be true, Is this stuff that you're nervous to be saying online? No, I'm not
0: nervous to be saying online.
1: But we know what happened to other people that potentially had knowledge.
0: All I'm saying to you is the following. Everything I'm saying to you, you need to go do your own due diligence. Type in 88% S&P 500, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. Are you okay with that? That's what you gotta ask yourself. For example, there's not a single other phone I want than an iPhone. I've had an iPhone since 2008, okay? I've had an iPhone since 2008. I love an iPhone. I love the iPhone, okay? If I look at what a droid looks like in an iPhone and I use a droid, I'm always going to come back to an iPhone, okay? If you're a droid, what's the annoying thing about an iPhone person texting a droid person? Green. Green. Mm-hmm. When you're on a flight, I can't talk to you. Or if I'm creating a group text... And you're a droid person, you screw the whole thing up. Do you know I often think about not adding the droid person in the group text I'm sending? Because you're annoying me. I can't communicate with you. So watch this. They're now 58% of market share is this. The monopoly law in America is 50%. We don't have another phone company that's competing with these guys. I was a diehard Nextel person. I love the Nextel. The Nextel Blackberry that they had was phenomenal. You know, the old Nextel. You guys are too young to remember, but there was a Nextel Blackberry. We need somebody to want to compete with this. We need others to want to compete with this. So if it doesn't concern you, don't do it. But if you have three companies that have influence in 50 different industries, that ought to be something we should be concerned about. Okay, because they're gonna be around for a while. A president's gonna come in one term, two term, eight years. There's not a lot they can be doing. But these guys are gonna be around for decades.
1: But for your own personal safety, you're not nervous about saying any of these things no, there, potentially.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not, uh, uh, not for my personal safety at all. Who do you think is the most powerful man on the planet? Some of those names I gave, I don't think it's the president. I think president is one of them. I think uh, the people that run any of the virtual governments, they're for sure one of the most powerful men on the planet. Uh, Facebook, Zuck is on that list. You know, Elon is now on that list. Uh, I think the Google guys are more low-key, but they're also on that list on what influence they have. Bezos is on that list with the control that he has. But it's the Finks, it's the Soros, his son Alex that's going to take over. And then next comes some of these guys that are the media moguls. You know, Rupert Murdoch is still on that list. It used to be Ted Turner, but Ted Turner is not running CNN anymore. When they sold Time Warner, they screwed him over. He should have kept running that organization. That man would have been the most powerful man in America, if not a top five power, powerful man in America. But uh, yeah, these are some of the names you have to be really, really careful with. And by the way, think about how most people learn what do you think most people learn about Oppenheimer? How do you think most people for the first time ever learn about Oppenheimer? You think they read a book on it? You think they went and studied Oppenheimer? You think pre the movie coming out, if you ask the average person who's Oppenheimer, they're like, man, is that a beer from Germany? What, what is this? Is, no, no, it's not a beer. It's a guy that is the nuclear bomb and Einstein. No way. Yeah. Most people learn about Oppenheimer through what? A movie. Right. Most people learn about Howard Hughes through what? Movie. Most people learn about, you know, a lot of these stories of people through movies, so you got to also put a lot of influence of these people that are making the movies and how they're feeding the messaging, and persuading the younger generation that's too lazy to go read their own books because they're too much on TikTok and Instagram. So, universities for people after they're done with high school and college, it's movies. So, media's got a lot of influence. Uh, those whoever is telling the story. It's got a lot of influence over people, so you got to also give some kind of power to the people that are telling the stories.
2: Couldn't that also be social media and what they decide to push and how their algorithms rank? Yeah, content? virtual
0: governments yeah. Is, is what I said. You know, the social virtual government to right. me is Zuck, Facebook, you know, Twitter, all those guys. They, they control the alg- algorithms. You know, RFK just sued Google yesterday and YouTube for censoring him. So Kennedy, right now, who's running for office, he's saying he's being silenced. They're taking his interviews down, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So. No question about it. They're also some of the most powerful people.
1: Kind of a random question, but do you think that you need to be a U.S.-born citizen to run for president? See, I actually don't know if I agree with that entirely. Because I think if we're trying, if we're basing it off of merit and what you can do for this country, limiting the pool of people from people like Elon Musk, from people like you, I don't think it's a productive thing.
0: If you ask me the question and somebody says, you know, For example, I went to a restaurant in Beverly Hills, it's called Crustaceans, my favorite restaurant in in Beverly Hills that I would go to. Crustaceans has two kitchens, okay? One of the kitchens, you have to be part of the on family to go in that kitchen, okay? So they could hire you, and there's that secret kitchen you cannot get into because they make this garlic noodles that you think they spiced it with every single addictive drug in the world. Because when you eat these noodles, oh my God, it's unbelievable. We, right. Gotta go we there. Gotta no, go. you gotta by the way, <laughs> you, so gotta go <laughs> you gotta go there. You gotta go there, okay? We will, we will. Crustaceans. Make and now they have these cigar uh, uh thing that they make that you eat with smoke comes out, and they got these crab legs that they make. And anyways, when you go there, you'll walk in and you say, What was this all about? Insane, beautiful food. I respect a brand that says the recipe that's been passed on by a generation is only if you're an on, You can't come in here and steal our recipe and go do it elsewhere. I salute it, I respect it. Everybody else that works here, you go in the other kitchen. Is it a form of discrimination? 100%, you are discriminating. So America can say, hey, you can only come in the kitchen here and make decisions for America at the highest level president, if you're part of the on family. If you're not, we discriminate against other people that are born here. It is an element of discrimination. That is a discriminatory policy that they have in place. But I fully understand it now. If they wanted to kind of amend it or change it, and you know, you've been here for thirty-five years, and you know, now you can run. You know, you you've had to serve, you've had to you know pay un, uh, a certain amount of taxes, or you had to create jobs, or you, certain ways you had to go get the degrees from this, this, that, or certain ways to get in there that you've contributed to society. You've been a Net positive to society, to America, in ways others haven't been, then maybe you'll get the car to be able to run. But the concern for me is the following there are people who love America way more, immigrants who love America way more than those who are born here. You know, a person who lost a father young, who sits with their best friend who's bitching about his father because he disciplined him too much. The friend says, can you please stop bitching about your dad that's challenging you who's alive? I wish my dad was alive to discipline me. Stop complaining. Oh, my God, you're such a crybaby. I'm sick of your bullshit of complaining about your dad, right? And then that kid walks in and says, man, I'm so glad my dad is alive. What a perspective, right? There's an element to it. Mm. There's too many Americans that are bitching about their dad that's alive where other countries wish their founding fathers cared about their country as much as they did. They wish they wish. And these Americans are saying, well, I think I'm entitled to this. I think I'm entitled to this. I'm I'm entitled to this. You're a founder. You've ran a company before. You know what it is when you work your ass off for that money and you make that money. And as a founder, what do you do? If I'm going to buy 20 cases of this water for my office and they're going to say, well, it's six hundred and twenty eight dollars. You know what? Here's six hundred twenty eight dollars. But if it's you spending that money, you're going to be like, wait a minute, What does Costco sell it for? 542, let's buy from Costco. You'll go save that $80 as a founder. Mm-hmm. But one of your employees is gonna be like, just pay the $628. Who cares, right? The founder's mentality wants to save the $80. You know what America is today? America is today filled with a bunch of spoiled brats who are spending daddy's money that they never made. How much debt do we have right now? Is it $32? Yeah. $32 trillion. Why do we have thirty-two trillion dollars? Because the kids, the grandkids, the great great grandkids are using daddy's money, not caring at all who worked their asses off prior to them to make this money, make it the number one country in the world, so you have some good habits. But no, yeah, pay those guys this much. money. Ah, send $70 billion to Ukraine, even though Russia's annual budget is $65 billion. Who cares? Send it to them. Yeah, send this thing over here. I think uh, a, a little bit of people from... America would be very interesting if Elon Musk was a president. You
2: know what's interesting is that Jack mentioned earlier how wealth is usually squandered in three generations. And couldn't we say now that, like, Jack and I are almost that third generation yeah. of America and we're somewhat squandering it in a sense?
0: That's, what you're, that's a good point. Yeah, That's exactly the point. So for me, I think if, if uh, you know, one would wonder, like yes, said, if Vivek is speaking here, first generation, And you're hearing them sell America in a way that most Americans can't sell America. You know what's my simplest question I want to ask a candidate? Sell me America. Can you sell America? Sell America. Like if I ask you right now, sell me why somebody ought to create content on YouTube. You could sell it. If I said, sell me on the idea of making money at a young age. Sell me real estate. Sell me why I ought to be in a different industry. Most of these candidates don't even know how to sell America. They don't know how to sell America. How do you sell America? Sometimes to sell America properly, you have to know what is the opposite of America. And the only way you know what the opposite of America is, you have to have lived in another place. You have to have experienced what it's like to give a perspective. Somebody's not paying attention to it. So is it a law that I think they'll eventually amend? I think they'll eventually amend it. Do I think it's going to happen next 5, 10, 20, 40, 80 years? I don't know.
2: Where do you think America went wrong? Because it seems like. For the most part, people are spending more time on drama, uh, stupid arguments, petty things. Where do you think that began? Because uh, it seems like from my perspective that there are much bigger issues at hand that people just don't care about.
0: Yeah. They just ignore. So, let me ask you this. Yeah. So, so let's just say you got two kids and your kids are going to come and hang out with my kids in my house. They're seven, eight years old, okay? Um, What's the first question you're going to ask from your wife about where your kids are going? I'm not sure. What would you... Do you want to know yeah. who your kids' friends' parents are? Yes. Okay. What do you want to know about them? What do they do for work? Okay. What, what do they, else do you want to know? Where do they live? Okay.
2: Um, maybe
0: what what they're teaching their kids. Okay. So let me, let me give you which one of them gives you a red flag. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, babe. It's a good family. The mother is a, a teacher at a Christian private school. Uh, in the community and the dad is a real estate guy whose father was a senior pastor at XYZ that's one family let me give you the next one yeah it's uh, they' they're, they're raised by their father it's, it's, a, it's interesting it's a single father that's raising the kids and uh yeah you know so the, 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 I think he runs a nightclub one of the biggest nightclubs in Miami it's what he runs yeah so that's what he does okay I'll give you another situation. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the mother, uh, one of the girls told me that the mother, you know, sometimes smokes weed, you know, uh, in the backyard. And they've smelled weed in the house before. But I don't know. Apparently, she's sweet. Which one of those three families do you say, I'm a little bit concerned about the kids being there without me being there? And which one of them are you like, okay, cool, let them be there?
2: Probably the weed one I'd be concerned about. Okay. Uh, the first one I'd feel more comfortable. Okay, with. why though? I feel like they're probably more structured, more disciplined, um, and would teach values
0: that I think would be conducive to raising someone who's wonderful. And I agree. Okay. So watch this. But you're playing odds. Yes. Are you converting to believe in Jesus? Because those guys are, you know, no, but you're playing odds to see which one you're going to feel your kids being safer. Is it a hundred percent? No, but you're playing the odds game, right? Okay. We went wrong the day we took God out, out of school. It's just period. We went wrong. Kids standing up praying, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, you know, invisible. We went wrong when that was gone. We went wrong when it's like, hey, let's wake up. Heavenly Father, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Please give us the, you know, thank you for the nourishment. And today uh, allow me to stay focused, to study and learn and get better with the teachers. Okay. There was nothing wrong with that, with us praying. Woodrow Wilson kind of messed it up a little bit. But taking God out of school was a big mess. Not because the fear was, well, I don't want my kid to be a Jesus-loving person. That's not it. There is a, the fear of God plays a very big role. One of the reasons why I didn't do, uh, uh, you know, as a kid, I did a lot of stupid things and I, you know, wasn't a, a kid that, you know, you would have wanted your kids to be around. But if there's one thing that worked, even though I didn't believe in God, I was afraid of God. Because my mother would say the one line, hey, listen, you can lie to me. You can get away with me not finding out what you're doing. But trust me, everything you do wrong, God is watching you. She probably said that to me a couple thousand times. So every time I was about to do something wrong, my mom's not going to find out. But God is watching, right? The fear of God prevented me from doing a lot of bad things. A lot of kids are the same way as well. Now, some people don't say, well, that's exactly why I turned out so messed up. And I have anxiety and panic because there was the fear of God, right? Okay, fine. You can go and complain and bitch about your parents putting the fear of God in you but I think it's more good than bad. So if we're playing the odds game, taking God out, massive problem, massive problem. So think about this. You don't believe in God. You believe in God, but you don't have a God where it's like you don't, Jesus or Christianity or any of that stuff, right? Okay. So if you have to choose which of the two things to put in school and you have to have one of them, which one will it be? You ready for this technical question? Yeah. Would you rather have your kids have to learn about God and pray every morning, and do pledge allegiance to the flag, but they don't get LGBTQ learning, you know, all the different sexes and all that stuff, or would you take God out of school and add, they have to learn about what it is to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, trans, and they have to know at an early age because it's part of us being free and not being discriminatory. Which of those two would you want your kids to learn about and you have to give up the other one?
2: I feel like there has to be a balance because you don't want to be Oppressive, or let's say your 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 kid is gay, you don't want yeah. them to feel like they can't be accepted and they can't be themselves. But at the same time, there's got to be some sort of you got to pick one of them.
0: You got to pick one uh, of them. Come on, Grant. I don't know,
2: man. Okay. I, I don't. So I, that's a yeah. problem.
0: But well, that's a problem. Yeah. And, and the reason why that's a problem is the following thing. Um, are you gay? Me? No. no. <laughs> <What> do
3: I? <laughs> what, do I, do no, yeah, I what do what? I need to do to convert What
0: do I need to do to convert you into being gay? I don't think you you can. You don't think I could convert you to being gay? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, who converted you into getting a real estate license? I did. Who influenced you though? How did you learn about real estate?
2: I saw a TV commercial for a million
0: dollar listing. Perfect. And that kind of so, got in my mind. And yeah. you were influenced to be a realtor. You weren't born with wanting to be a realtor. Correct. Bingo. Yeah. Did you get it? Let me explain to you what I mean by this. Sure, please. So stats came out that shows which generation is the gayest generation of all. That's part of the LGBTQ community. Do you think you care more about what I think at this age or when you were 14 years old? Definitely 14. No problem. Me too. Right? So... Do you think it's easier to convert you in a way of thinking at 14 or 33? 14. Of course. Right. Right. Okay. I became a Christian because somebody talked to me about it. I got into insurance because somebody influenced me to get into insurance. Okay. I got into bodybuilding because I was influenced by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I went to Santa Monica Community College because I was influenced because that's where Arnold went. Influenced. Somebody influenced you, right? Mm. Four generations. Five generations. Traditionalist. You got the boomers, millennials, Gen X, and you got Gen Z. You ready? Traditionalists, 0.8% of our gay. 0.8% of traditionalists are gay. Boomers, 2.6%. Then you go to 5%. Then you go to 10%. You know what percentage of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ? 21%. Mm. 21%. So who do you think cares less about what you and I think? Traditionalists or Gen Zs? Traditionalist. you think if you and I are 70 years old and we're gay, do you really think you and I care about what other people think? What do you think? No, you're coming out. You ever seen a grandma or a grandfather drop F-bombs and it's like, get your butt out of my, because that, you know, listen, I'm yeah. 10 years away from living and dying. Like I don't give a shit what you think about me. But if 21% of Gen Z is gay, they're being influenced, just like you were influenced to be a realtor, just like I was influenced to go into SMC, influence that's a problem so the fact that you a very smart guy a super successful guy at your age cannot tell the two apart that means you're you're not really putting a lot of thought into what's going to influence who because god faith that's going to influence you to do what complete different thing
2: don't you think that some of that though is a bit of that overall people are on somewhere on a spectrum. And if you're, let's say, a two out of 10 or a three out of 10, that maybe you're more open about that, whereas in other generations you weren't. And perhaps it's somewhere in the middle.
0: No, I think LGBTQ is a religion and you choose which religion you want to be in front of your kids. Okay, Uh, you choose if a person is gay, you're eventually going to be gay you're going to be gay. You're not going to be, if if you're going to do what you're going to do, like, for example, I I, I thought about, I interviewed a guy who was a um, uh, negotiator, FBI agent, who would sit down with people that killed, um, uh, uh, that were, you know, murderers that killed their own family members. And I said, so what gets somebody to get to the point of wanting to do something like this? And he explained how there's a difference between what you're born with What's your influence with, and then to take the action, right? There are some people that are born who are dark human beings, period, that they enjoy it. They're mm-hmm. born that way. You know, if you look at the Iceman, I don't know if you've ever seen interviews of the Iceman. Have yes. you ever watched the interviews of Iceman? Yeah. That guy is cold and he enjoyed what he did. What percentage of the world is like that? What would you say? 0.1%? Okay. So are we gonna say no? You know, he was influenced to be that way. There had to be a darker person in his life to get him to be that dark. No, he's born that way. Okay. Are some people born gay maybe? Maybe. Okay. But if we take a thousand gay people, what percentage of them are gay because they were born gay? What percentage of them are gay because they were influenced to be gay or life influenced them to be gay? That's a real question we have to talk about. I understand it's I, a very yeah, uncomfortable thing. I think it would be
2: just attraction. Who are, like, like I am attracted to certain people and a certain type. I'm not attracted to another type. No problem. So I feel like that would be the same thing with gender. It's like if you're attracted to men or women, that uh, would be... Graham. Yeah.
0: Do you think you need to learn how to give a blowjob to another boy at 11 years old? No. That book is in schools, recommended teaching by many teachers in America. Do you think that's a problem? Sure. Do you think it's a better usage of my time to learn how money works? Yes. Or how to please another boy at 11 years old? Right. So then you have to decide your values and principles between the two. I think these values being taught to kids, are kids typically more liberal or conservative? Liberal. Liberal. I'm, I'm, are you kidding me? I'm all liberal. Like, let's try drugs. Let's try this. Let's break the law. Let's break this. Hey, let's sneak into the swimming pool and have the cops chase us. Hey, let's test this out. We're liberal, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't need to teach more liberal policies to kids. They're going to do shit. We're going to do stuff. We need to balance it out with what? With this. Okay, so now watch this. Do you think rich, greedy people who have a lot of money, do you think they need to be taught more conservative stuff or more this stuff, liberal stuff? What do you think? Do you see how this is working out? So to me, it's the other way around. I think we've mixed it up. So be understood. This guy's 28 years old. He's gay. No problem. i got plenty of gay employees. I have plenty of lesbian leaders in my company, plenty of them. And see how my relationship is with them. You chose to do that as an adult. Salute. A couple of them were here yesterday, just watch how they hug me when they see me. Mm-hmm. We love each other. We have an incredible relationship. Then later on, we need to learn and say, hey man, can you be a little bit kind to these people? Dude, relax. They just see things in a different way than you do. All good. I think we need to give conservative values to kids when we're liberals. And I think we need to inject a little bit of this when we're older, successful, to be a little bit more understanding. I think the education is out of whack. You know, maybe the LGBTQ stuff can be taught to people that are older to be a little bit more gentle to them. But that's you're asking a question. I'm going to go back to it. God is one of them. What's being taught in school is one of them. Not enough money, finances is one of them. The way we turn our heroes into, you know, who the hero-making machine is in America is a problem. Today we recognize complainers. Today we recognize who posts more naked pictures on social media gets the most likes. Today we recognize that more than somebody like you is responsible makes his own money, works his tail off, you you seem very kind, you seem humble, you seem likable, yet you're doing your research, yet you're willing to talk to people. So we've confused kids on who the hero today is. Oh my God, poor person, look at this person, they came out of the closet at 14 years old, let's do 28 articles on them, but that 14-year-old kid who made $28,000 independently, yeah, it's whatever, it's not a big deal. But let's highlight this person, what are you doing? Which one do we need more for society? More people coming out of closet or more 14-year-olds that are making $28,000 on their own? We're turning the wrong people into heroes and it's confusing the F out of kids. So to me... Those are things that we've been doing that's kind of messed up America Got a bit. It.
1: How do you decide who is welcome on your podcast versus who isn't? You've had a lot of controversial people. I yeah. saw recently had Anthony Weiner on who had yeah. sent uh, sexually explicit photos to a minor, if I'm not mistaken. How do you decide what is crossing the line versus yeah. what
0: isn't? I have to be interested in the story of the individual. If I'm not interested, I'm not interested. So, for example, if you talk to Sam and you ask how many people have given us offered $100,000, $200,000 to be on the podcast, we would never do it, okay? You're not going to give us money to be on the podcast because I know I'm lying to the audience and I'm going to be fake because I don't care about your story. I have to be interested in you. If I'm doing it because I'm doing a favor or you paid me money, I'm forgetting who the priority is. You have to make sure you're lo- you're honest and straight up with your audience. So... Alex Jones and then Jenk. Those two guys hate each other. When I asked Jenk, would you ever do a podcast with Alex Jones? Oh, my God, absolutely not. No, no, this, Anthony Weiner. Then I'm bringing a Catholic priest, okay? Chris Cuomo, then I'm bringing, you know, Jordan Peterson. So, to me, I've interviewed Sammy Bull Gravano. He killed 19 people. You kidding me? Like, wh- what's he doing there? I mean, what are you interviewing him for, right? I want to know motives. I want to know why. I want to know why you think the way you do. I want to know what influences you to think you're that right about your philosophies and ideas. What got you to to the tipping point of make the decisions that you made? But my best guess are the people that I'm interested in their stories. And uh, I like misunderstood people. I like complicated people. Um, Yeah, I'm typically interested in complicated and misunderstood people. And Anthony Wiener, different story. When he came in, we were having a podcast, prepping a back, And I said, look guys, uh, he was pitched to me by my uh, uh, producer and he had a book coming out. I said, yeah, I'd love to talk to this guy for one reason, not because of I'm interested in him. I wanna know, your wife was Hillary Clinton's right-hand person. This is a person that knows everything about Hillary Clinton, good, bad, ugly. And that's a very complicated individual, Hillary and Bill. I wanna know about these guys. So for me, I want to, because I'd like to interview Bill and Hillary Clinton and publicly I tweeted out and I said, I'd like to publicly extend an invitation for Bill and Hillary Clinton to be on the podcast. You know, over the years, your legacy, you're known as uh, the most powerful couple in the history of politics in the last 50 years. And there's a lot of rumors about you. And there's a lot of things said about you, whether true or wrong, I want to discuss it. If you're open to it, let me know. And boom, we got a bunch of commentary. Pat's not suicidal. Pat's not this. Pat's not that. I want to talk to the Clintons. I want to talk to Putin. I want to talk to some complicated people in the world. I want to have these conversations with Maduro. I want to sit down and talk to some of the folks from Iran uh, because it's complicated. But we're sitting in the back about Anthony Weiner. And I said, look, if he's respectful, we'll have a respectful discourse. But if he's disrespectful and he wants to you know, come in and pig and wrestle and all that, I have no problem wrestling with a pig. For two hours, I'm all game. You know, we'll have a good time. And obviously, I don't know if you've seen it or not. It was a very intense conversation from beginning to the end because he came in disrespectful. And then let's play, let's play ball. And it was a blast. We had a good time together for two hours. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that philosophy. And I wish I could expand on that more. But I, I appreciate the fact that it's just about satisfying your own curiosity. Oh, yeah. Like, who would yeah. you like to talk to? And there are certain yeah. people I would love to talk to. You know, Martin Shkreli, for example. But I know he's very controversial. And bringing him on, some people could say, oh, you're platforming somebody with this ideology. It's like, no, I want to see. He'd be
0: see very interesting.
1: I know. that's.
0: He'd be, he be very fantastic. interesting. Yeah.
1: But I am concerned. I would watch
0: it if you guys did it.
1: OK, we're going to we're going to try for yeah, really it. If you guys it. Yeah. But uh, I think he could be a very misunderstood person. But having him on and
0: are you kidding truth. me? You know what things he can teach about big pharma? Yeah. You know what things he can teach about how if he was able to charge it for five thousand dollars or whatever he was doing? Mm-hmm. What can what he leak other? about? What about yeah. the patent yeah. laws? There's so many different good questions to ask. Guy like that.
2: Where do you draw the line in terms of your guest? Is there a guest you
0: would not choose to have on? I'm trying to think who I would like. Give me an idea of who. Give know, me a name. White supremacist, for example. Oh, and I'm not interested in that. You know, a, a full blown, like a KKK, the hat on all of that. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that. Um, who else? Ask me who. I, guys, I've had a lot of yeah. people that people would say you should never have had that person on. Every time I have a guest politically, the other half is upset with me. Mm-hmm. Every time. Like, I can't believe you had him on. I can't believe you had him on. But now we've had so many people from the left and right on that they're both eventually they're immunized they're like listen yeah. this guy's gonna have him on we can't tell him what to do say like sure. a cartel leader i would have him on absolutely really absolutely I, I would interview uh i would absolutely interview cartel are you kidding me you know the types of people i interviewed in the mob oh, the and mob. cartel you know, those and, are some
2: of my favorite videos of yeah videos, by the
0: way and, and and i love those interviews mm-hmm. uh, first time i call sammy the bowl, i'm like sammy uh who the fuck is this This is Patrick, are you the guy that did that interview with Michael Francis and you put the title mafia boss? You know, he was never a mafia boss. He was a couple. What the are you doing? If you're gonna do, I'm the only person that interviews me as a professional like Diane Sawyer. Three hours later, me just listening to him.
1: Mm.
0: I said, Sammy, can we just meet face to face? Let's have a meeting. If you're comfortable, then let's do an interview. Let me think about it. Nine months later, I'm in Phoenix. We go to this building. I'm walking all the way in the back. We're in like a warehouse type of place. And we sit there for three hours. And he just talking, 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 talking. He said, okay, I think I'm ready. Let's do the interview. Then we did the interview. And boom, 20 million views. I don't know, I think it's 19 and a half, 20 million views today. But yeah, I'll I'll definitely interview cartel leaders.
2: I wanted to get your reaction to this clip before we end. This is a bit more of a current event that we're gonna be posting early. This is a clip from Mia Khalifa. Mm -hmm. And she said that if you marry the wrong person early, There should be no shame in getting divorced. If you're with the wrong person, get divorced. And this clip is going viral. And it's this, if you haven't seen it.
0: I have not seen it.
3: Married at 18, divorced at 21. Second marriage, married at 25, divorced at 28. Third engagement, engaged at 29, ended it at 30, but I kept the ring. I'm still keeping Tom Brady on his toes. We should not be afraid to leave these men we are not stuck with these people marriage is not a sanctimonious thing it is it is paperwork it's something it's 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 a commitment you make to someone but if you feel like you're not getting anything from that commitment and you're trying you gotta go you gotta go you have to go i know it's difficult to fill out paperwork and to make appointments and to do all of these things but this is your life do you want to be stuck with someone
0: it's period do you want to be stuck with someone who's a, is this girl the uh, is she the porn star she's okay porn star. yeah I, I, it depends on what she's saying here on a couple different things one one of the most important books i read on relationship was 101 questions to ask before you get engaged i read this book and the woman i thought i wanted to marry was like no that's not what you're looking for you you want this like wow i did 101 questions like 54 of them were important to me So then I was talking to four girls at that time. I gave them all the books. And I said, I need you to read this book and let's have a meeting together, go through the answers. I knew three of them wasn't gonna work out. My wife and I had a six hour meeting with that book. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Let's date for a year and a half. Then I'm gonna marry this girl. We date for a year and a half. We have a bunch of fights, you know, and then eventually I'm like, nope, I'm gonna marry this girl. But I knew after I read the book, this could be somebody I can invest my time into. But most people don't marry based on values and principles. Most people marry based on uh, nice breasts, based on a beautiful butt, based on a beautiful face, based on an incredible chemistry in the bedroom. Sex was great. You went to a nightclub. You danced good together. You have a blast together. You laugh together. All of that stuff aren't the reasons to marry, okay? Those are great reasons to date. I dated two girls whom one of them, I knew from the beginning I was never going to marry this girl. And by the way, I love this girl. We had an incredible time together. But I knew we were never going to marry each other. Did we have fun? Unbelievable fun. Did we do crazy things together? Out of control. Was it a blast? Yes. Yes. Was I going to marry her? No. Was she going to marry me? No. Eventually, we sat down and we said, look, this is not working out. And I want to get married. And I I don't think we're going to be together. I said, I'm not going to date anybody until you date somebody first because I want to be respectful to you. Boom. She goes, date somebody first. I said, now you're dating. Boom. Now I got numb, and I started dating. Another girl I uh, was uh, dating, eventually, one day, after being together for two and a half years, we had the awkward moment. Uh, sex is amazing. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, we're like two kids. Every, you would see us, you know, you'd see us at Venice Beach. She's on top of me. We're just wrestling. We're having a blast. We're laughing. Of course, we're having a fight and some couple unfortunate events happened that, you know, took away life out of the relationship and we lost a lot of momentum. But it got to a point one day, by the way, I'm an atheist at the same time when I'm dating this girl. One day I'm like, I want to know if we're together because we actually have substance and things to talk about or if it's sexual and fun. I said, look, I want us to go a month without sex. And she says, what? See, I want us to go a month without sex. Are you joking? Nah, I'm serious with you. You're joking. There's no way you can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I'm saying let's try to see if we can do it. To see what we do late at night, great. First time we go out, hey, Um, movie's done at an expedition you wanna nah I'm gonna drop you off now you gotta realize my pants they're about to blow up I mean I'm like ready to do something with her I'm like babe we gotta spend some time I'm freaking on fire with testosterone I'm a high testosterone type of guy and I'm dropping her off and I'm just cursing myself out you are more the hell is wrong with you or man you should have done this next night same thing next night same thing two three weeks later we don't have anything to talk about I'm like, great relationship. I don't know if we can be married. So then I say, let's go to church together. See if we can figure something out here. Are you being religious? No, I'm just trying to figure out if I want to get married. You want to get married to me? No? Yeah, I want to get married to you. I got a ring. But I don't know if we can make it work. I don't know what marriage is all about. We need something to have a basis. And we go to church one time, so uncomfortable for her. I'm like, I'm not going to make you do this. And then eventually we broke up. She's happily married. She's got beautiful kids. We're still in contact. I'm very happy for her and the other one is also happily married, got kids, all that stuff. Why is this person getting all these eyeballs? A porn well, star famous. is getting,
1: who cares? She's it, it, saying some opinion that people wanna hear, apparently, is that you gives, can break a marriage.
0: Oh, in, in her space, what is marriage in her space? There is no meaning in marriage in her world. Why should even anybody react to that video? You're talking about a porn star who goes around and marriage after marriage after marriage, in that world, what is the basis? What is the standards?
2: I think the worry is that she is teaching people that getting married is not that big of a deal. And if it doesn't work out, just divorce. Oh, so you
0: you don't like that? What do you think about that?
2: I think in a sense, well, my parents are divorced. I think if the marriage is not working, I think it takes two people to equally want that marriage to succeed. And I feel like if one person doesn't or if one person has checked out, one person gets addicted to drugs and there's nothing that could be done, I think there are circumstances or cheating. I think there are certain circumstances where divorce, I think, is the right choice for people to separate. So,
0: do you think uh, she is potentially influencing others to leave their husbands? Do you think she's potentially doing that? Yes, I do. You do? Got it. To a certain degree. Got it. And do you think that's bad to influence?
2: I think if someone's influenced by that, they probably shouldn't be together to begin with.
0: So, uh, but I think, do you think she's also influencing some other girls to maybe not be doing the stuff that they're doing and now they're leaving their husbands and be reckless, who cares if marriage doesn't work out, go have your fun, live your life, it's about you. Do you think she's influencing some young girls to ruin their lives? Yes, possibly. Possibly? Yeah. Graham, you're a smart yeah. guy. It ain't possible. Yeah. She is. She's sure. a diplomat. Okay, he is a diplomat, but he's, he's kind of uh, getting in his own way instead of just being straight up with it. You know you're right. It goes back to my point, okay? Where the wrong people are becoming heroes, and they're influencing and converting and baptizing younger generation to live dumb lives. That's the problem. Mm. We are turning the wrong people into heroes. So if that person has that kind of influence, do you want even more of that influence in schools, in high schools, in junior high schools? No, you're validating my point from earlier on on why the content we're teaching in our schools is ruining our younger generation by confusing the hell out of them. And that girl right there is a hero today to many people because she's getting the eyeballs. Hmm. She's not, now what would happen if she all of a sudden came out and she says, I've lived a terrible life, I've made a lot of dumb decisions, I've been selfish my entire life, I've changed my life, I'm now going to church, I've found God, or I, you want to live a different kind of a life, I'm no longer drinking, I'm no longer smoking, I'm no longer doing drugs. I want to figure out a way to be a mother one day because I wanna invest into something that's got a high rate of return and I want my daughters to be proud of me. I'm not proud of my past, but I wanna change and I wanna set the example for my kids to know that even a person like me one day can choose to change, so can others. There is an element of hero making machine in that story. We need more of those stories, not these types of stories thank you end. for yep. being so
1: gracious with yep. your time as well this really has been absolutely it. incredible and thank you for your generosity you invited us last night to this amazing event i mean that we was incredible it. with vivek so that was great and i just got to say thank you very much
0: anytime yeah. you guys keep doing what you're doing I, I like your style and i'm excited to see what you guys do next and when you do do the interview with martin make sure you let me sure. know i want to see I'll it. Do. i'm looking forward and we could to do that.
2: this every year we could plan for uh, this time next year
0: i look forward to i'm going to be in your city in in uh, two days that's right so cool sounds good thanks guys thank you guys uh
2: thanks it's not usual that we have an audience